In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The church tends to celebrate great feasts with an octave. And in this particular case, the octave day is indeed a separate, distinct event worth celebrating. We heard an allusion to it at the very end of today's gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The event of the circumcision is just simply mentioned, and it seems as though it's sort of like a coda, right? Sort of just like a nice little way of wrapping up uh, the infancy narrative. Verse 22 will continue with what we heard um, on Sunday, the description of our Lord's being presented in the temple, which happened on the 40th day. And then Luke's gospel continues with our Lord being found in the temple. For good reason, we still refer to the solemnity as that of Mary, Mother of God. There's no more elegant and succinct way of describing who this child is than by acknowledging that Mary really is his mother and he really is God. His humanity is real and this is really the second person of the Holy Trinity. Mary being the mother of God in these first days of our Lord's birth is just simply beautiful and joyful and glorious. But these octave days are not like the octave days of Easter where there is only goodness and only cause for rejoicing. We rejoice when we celebrate our Lord's birth because our Savior has arrived and his work has now begun to rescue us. In the Te Deum, we made reference to how we have been bought with the price of his own blood. And it's on this day that his blood is first shed. Consider how already we have reflected on the humility of God to come as man, the word made flesh. And he shares our human condition, being cold and being hungry and being dirty, needing to be cleaned. But on this eighth day, it grows deeper. Because on this eighth day, he identifies himself with us as sinners. He bears the mark of the covenant of Abraham. And so he is not just simply a perfect man who has come to give us perfect teaching and to work miracles and to raise the dead and eventually give us the greatest miracle of all, his death and resurrection, and then to return to heaven. But he really identifies with us as sinners. 
he participates in the, not only in the suffering, but he also participates in the covenants to which we have become members, which in, at the same time identify us as sinners, but as sinners upon whom God has smiled and has chosen to deal with favorably and mercifully. We'll see something very similar to this subjection of our Lord to the rituals befitting sinners when he is baptized in the Jordan. And it is acknowledged by John the Baptist that this should not be happening. But our Lord insists that it must be so. It's not as a show. It's not for pretend. He really is one of us. He really will cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. Even though he is without sin and incapable of sin. And on another level, we return to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of God. Her suffering has already begun as she sees blood of her son fall to the ground. At the end of his life, she will be witness again of his blood being shed. And so she truly is worthy of being mother of God because she is willing to be the mother of sorrows. And so as I wish you a happy new year, we have this great and beautiful mystery of God who has come into the world, not just a world of darkness, but a world of sin to make all things new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.